Hello and welcome to the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, analysis, all passion, all derby. Some decisions are black and white. Let's get stuck in. Hello everybody and welcome back to League Action and to the Rams Review Podcast. Joining me as always, Corey. Corey, how are we? Jason, I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Have you enjoyed your week off? Uh, we got a week off? Yeah, well, exactly. There's uh, Mr. No Days Off, that's what they call me at work. So uh, I, I suppose I have to carry that on into social life. Um, but also joining us you today... you have a social life? Again. My wife calls this a social life. These, uh, these are the tough questions we ask on the podcast. Yeah, this is it. I mean... Uh, I'm all I'm all for spending time with you, Corey. But you know, I, I'm sure there's better things I could be doing. But never mind. Um, but of course, we are we are here for the listeners, and uh, and t- today we are here joined by Mike from the Voices of the Vic. Podcast. Very very well, oh, thank Mike. you very much for having me on. Not a problem at all. Um, first of all, we're going to have to start, Mike, with of course that's not a London accent. No. Um, <laughs> so whereabouts are you actually based? Uh, well, this is yeah. This is going to be quite confusing for the listener. I'm originally from Birmingham. That sort of goes without saying. Um, my dad was actually born in Watford General Hospital, which is a hospital right next door to the ground. So I had the unfortunate experience of growing up in Birmingham as a Watford fan when Birmingham and Villa have spent the majority of their seasons in the Premier League and I've had to sort of fend for myself as a Watford fan in the lower reaches of uh, the Championship for most of my childhood. Uh, But I'm now actually based in Nottinghamshire. Uh, So I'm not a million miles away from from, uh, you guys, probably. Uh, I know, obviously, Corey's quite some way out, but uh, like yourself, Yeah, you're not far from me. Yeah, you're not far from me. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so originally from Birmingham, but at the moment living in Nottinghamshire. Right, enjoying the lockdown? Um, not really. It's no. Nah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, and obviously, um, my wife works in Nottinghamshire, so uh, obviously the new restrictions that are coming in for Nottingham are making things a little bit tricky for her. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure for people who live in and around Nottingham, uh, they don't get much of a mention on this podcast in a in a positive <laughs> vibe. But um, I, you know, I, I hope everybody's hope everybody's sane. But I think eventually it's going to come to us all. Unfortunately, certainly in the UK, I know from speaking with Corey over in America pretty much a pretty much a dire time at the moment so uh, whilst we had a glimmer of hope of coming out of things I don't think it'll be long before we get back but who knows yeah so um where do we start first season back for five years I, I was doing a bit of research Mike for this and I must admit when I obviously that was one of the important pieces of information I was like oh well I was Watford been back in the Premier League it's got to have been about 11 12 years now uh, no, it came as a bit quite. of a yeah. It came as a bit of a surprise that it's actually only five years ago. It is, yeah. Um, and that five years ago seems absolutely ages. Um, you know, I often look back on that season that we went up for, you know, research for the podcast that we do, um, and you sort of look through some of the results from that season. You're thinking, wow, was that really five years ago? That promotion season. Uh, but yeah, it's it's felt like you know, like you says, it's felt like a lot longer. Uh, that we've been in the Premier League and do you know what I've loved every minute of it Um, more so because every season that we were in the Prem we got 
the pundits said that Watford were going to go down um, and it took them five years to be right. So that, that was always fun. But yeah, five years it's been. So back in, uh, back in the championship. But it's a shame there's no fans because I tell you now, for away days, the championship wins hands down. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been lucky enough to attend Vicarage Road on more than two or three occasions. Um, I've got quite a funny story about Vicarage Road that I think, Corey, I've already told, but I'll go, in, I'll go into that in a minute. But um, obviously, five years in the Premier League, it's no mean feat these days. Um, and um, I mean, no disrespect meant, but a club of the size of Watford, I suppose, especially with other uh, teams in and around um, Watford that, you know, fans have to compete with. And you know, it's, it's surprising um, that I know they do get, you know, a, a fair amount of fans down at Vicarage Road when it's, when it's available. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think five years in the Prem's yeah, a pretty decent achievement. And, and one thing that I've, I've certainly noticed over the, over the five years is that, you know, even even last season when you went down, you know, some of the players and the squad that you had. Um, in all fairness, football's not played on paper, and that's that's a famous quote. Me and Corey use quite regular, but you know, if football was played on paper, you, you, that Watford team's nowhere near relegation. Um, no. What what was it that in the end was it just eventually everything caught up with it with Watford, or you know, was there other things going on in behind the scenes? Just give us a little bit of an insight as to what what was the reason ultimately that things just didn't work out for Watford last season? I wish I knew the exact answer to that, but you know, you, you hear sort of whispers coming out of the club and I think there was a lot at the start of the season. Um, there was a bonus that was due to be paid to some players because of making the FA Cup final. And I think we had our uh, highest Premier League finish the season before uh, under Javi Gracia. Uh, and I don't. I think there was a bit of unsettlement over whether that bonus was paid or not. So there was a lot of players from the off, unfortunately, that just obviously decided that it wasn't going to, you know, they weren't going to sort of pull their weight because of this dispute with the, the bonus. Um, and then... I think also, because I was unfortunate to be um, at the first game of the season against Brighton, who the season before, we also had Brighton on the opening day of the season and we thumped 3-0. Um, but this, uh, 2-0, sorry. But this time round, the Brighton home game of last season, they absolutely walloped us and they walked all over us. And it was clear to see that the players thought they'd won the game before the game had even kicked off. So I think it was just player sort of power maybe coming into it a little bit um a lot of people from the outside looking in will obviously blame the rotation of managers uh for that season because you know Watford are known for the amount of managers that we have but um uh, it's hard to really pinpoint one thing because like you says I think on paper that team shouldn't have gone down but unfortunately it, it doesn't work like that, as you've said. So, yeah, I think it's probably got a lot to do on this bonus that was due from the season before. I think a few players have sort of alluded to it as well, um, sort of at the end of the season. Um, and at, at the end of the day as well, there was weeks that we didn't turn up where others did because it was quite a scrappy relegation fight in the end. And uh, it, it just wasn't to be. And I think deservedly we went down because... You know, we, we didn't pull our fingers out when we needed to and that you, you, you get punished for it. 
well, you do. We we only know too well. And for, to be honest with you, for five years, you certainly put up more of a fight than than we did a, a, a few years ago. Um, yeah. Just on that, I'd say that memory. I'd, I'm I'm going back, cashing mine back, fifteen years a while ago. Um, Corey was only a baby, I think. Um, and it was, uh, in fact, I think it was about 2005, 2004, 2005. Um, it was a, we, we come down to Vicarage Road. I believe you were in sixth. We were in seventh, something along those lines. We come down, we played out a 2-2 draw. Um, it was an entertaining game, in all fairness. But the one thing that I remember of it for, it was boiling hot. It, it, was a, it, was, it was only like an April or something like that, but it was a boiling hot day. Um, as we'd, um, I'd not long turned, what was I about 16, 17, just started going, just started being able to get served drinks at the away games and things like that. So there's a group of us that used to go down on supporters bus from the local place. Um, uh, great, great avail on the bus all the way down there. And as you, as you well know, Mike, for what traffic's like in London, uh, we hit about yeah. looting on the M1. Um, and basically crawled for the next 20 miles um, in, into Watford um, and a, a mate of mine. This story doesn't actually involve me. It's just a vivid memory I have. A friend of mine, um, we, were, we were just coming down the main road. We could see Vicarage Road in, uh, over the road, um, but we had to wait to get off, and my mate was desperate for the toilet. Strange story. It's a bit gruesome. Sorry, listeners. But anyway, this guy decides to... Have uh, uh, go into a, an empty beer can um, just as these Watford fans were, were pouring past um, and as you do giving it a bit of a giving a bit of a bit of a jip out the window and my mate goes to throw in this can full of oh, God. <laughs> stuff out of the bus window which ultimately backfired on him um, and fell back into the bus and absolutely covered him from head to toe. Oh, God. <laughs> um, and as I say, we're, we're talking like one o'clock, half past one in the afternoon. It's about 29 degrees. Oh, There's no air con on the bus. Um, it's a good job we got a good result out of that game because otherwise that journey home would have been, uh, would have been worse because the smell on that bus was horrendous. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but ju- just an absolute memory of, of, of Vicarage Road. Uh, unfortunately, not too many on the pitch down there for, from a Derby perspective. But um, that's what, certainly one I remember as, uh, as being a fan. Um, before I pass it over to Corey, as Corey is normally the interrogator of questions, um, I, I try and keep it lighthearted. Corey's there with the, with the hard questions. Um, so back into the championship after five years. I mean, me and Corey, we did a preview. We were trying to put where teams could, could possibly finish this year with what's going off. Um, for me, out of the three relegated sides, uh, Watford was the one that I kind of said, if, if any of the three are going to do anything, I would have expected, expected it to have been Watford. Um, mainly because, obviously, so far kept hold of most of the squad. Um, obviously, transfer window for the English um, transfer window closes on Friday. Um, I've not, unfortunately, kept abreast of many outs from, from Watford. What's the squad looking like? Um, and are you expected to lose any more Premier League hitters uh, before the window on Friday? Uh, yeah, it's it's been more outgoings and incomings so far for us, um, which is to be expected. We had a lot of players that were on high wages in the Premier League, obviously. Um, and it come out in the news as well that a lot of players had to take a pay cut, but then there was quite a few big names that 
weren't part of that group so they still maintained their high wages so um, Danny Welbeck for example he was on a contract where he got paid a fraction of his wage when he wasn't playing but when he was playing he got paid his full wage and there's murmurs that that full wage was 100 grand I don't uh, 100 grand a week uh, I don't know um, how, how true that is because apparently Troy Dean is the highest earner and I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that he was on 100 grand um, but We've lost Delafayu to Udinese on loan, which isn't necessarily 100% a bad thing, because as people may or may not know, our owners also own Udinese. So, season-long loan, possible that he's going over there, getting some game time after horrific ACL injury last season. Uh, and then if we get promoted, maybe he comes back. I don't know. Um, all ifs and buts with that one. Uh, Pasetto, who we bought in from Udinese last season, rarely featured for us. He's gone back to Udinese. Uh, Roberto Pereira, another big name player that we signed back in 2016-17 season. Um, he's gone to Udinese. Um, and we've, um, I'm sure there's other players as well that are probably staring at me in the face that we've lost that. Uh, we lost Craig Dawson to West Ham yesterday. He went on a season-long loan with a view to a permanent. Um, uh, but am I expecting any more to go? Ishmael Asar, I think we'll actually keep hold of him. Um, Troy Dean is the, the, the big one. Uh, whether he'll go to West Brom, because West Brom are rumoured to be in for Carlin Grant from Huddersfield, um, Andre Gray from us, and Troy Deeney from us. And there's supposedly Carlin Grant's the number one target. So, fingers crossed they get that one over the line, because I think keeping hold of Troy and Andre um, in, in this division will uh, will massively help us. But other than that, it's been quite quiet on the incomings, because recently we've only signed... Uh, William Trooster Kong from um, <laughs> no other than Udinese, funnily enough. We've signed him on a five year deal, um, centre back, captain for Nigeria. So it's going to be interesting to see if he slots in because so far we've only conceded one. So don't really want to mess with the defence if they've only conceded one. Um, but we're expecting another left back in because uh, we need reinforcements from that side. Um, and other than that, it's been. You know, pretty much outgoings and trying to sort of balance the books in terms of wages now that we've gone down. So, which is to be expected, and I've got no qualms with the transfer window so far. I think one other one you can add, Mike, to that is, um, and this is obviously not a recent one, but one that's walked the Udinese Watford path, so to speak, is Matty Vidra, uh, who's now at yes. um, Burnley. He went from Udinese to Watford uh, to Burnley via Derby. Um, and just before, you know, we, we, we chat about some other things, you know, you talk about the constant changeover of manager um, that Watford went through last season. Obviously, they started with Javier Gracia, gave him what, like a five year extension and then sacked him a couple months later. And then they um, brought in Kike Sanchez Flores and he was the second coming again. Uh, and then they sacked him a couple months later. And then uh, I don't think he even was there a couple months. And then they bring in, obviously, old former Derby County um, manager, Nigel Pearson. And the for me, you know, watching most Premier League games, he really turned Watford around, to be honest. And I would probably assume, I don't know this and I don't have the stats to back it up, but I would assume since he came in in, what was it like, mid-January, mid-February time frame up until lockdown, Watford probably one of the form teams um, in, in the league. So um, what, what went wrong with Nigel Pearson at Watford? Was it player power that kind of, you know, because sometimes Nigel Pearson has a reputation for riding players really hard and, and everything like that. Is it 
was it that kind of reputation that kind of did him or did the club just necessarily want to go in a different direction? Do you know what? When before Nigel Pearson come in, we were we were dead and buried. We we shouldn't have had a sniff at a chance of staying up. Not one bit. Um, you know, we we'd only we we'd beaten Norwich under Sanchez Flores and then it started to go sort of pear shaped again. But when Nigel Pearson come in, the change that we saw straight away was so evident. Like it he, I don't know how he does it. I know you've said he's got a reputation of sort of being a pretty hands-on manager and I wasn't around for his playing days because I'm, I'm not old enough. But I, I, you, you sort of get the sort of presence that he was quite a hard-hitting player as well back in his playing days. So you sort of knew that he was going to come in and he wasn't going to take any rubbish from anyone. Um, so I think it was that mentality that really sort of brought us these results because we had some absolutely fantastic results you know we beat Man United at home uh, we beat Liverpool at home you know that one was still to this day I sort of pinched myself as to did that really happen uh, we had a brilliant win against Aston Villa at home um, but it's sort of the game for me where it started to go pear-shaped was uh, Aston Villa away now obviously as as you, you guys know now, being from Birmingham, I absolutely love that game. Uh, we were just above Aston Villa at the time, and it was a Tuesday night. I went down to Villa Park, sat near Wayans, um, was having my my phone was being bombarded with Villa supporting mates saying, oh, I, I've got a bad feeling. And I don't know what it was, but Watford in those positions just don't do very well. Like a game that we should be winning. Watford don't do those. We, we don't do games that, are, you know, need to be won. Uh, and I sort of thought, well, hang on a minute, you know, Pearson's come in, he's sort of turned the ship round. We're heading in a positive direction. Um, possibly we could get a draw. A draw would be great. Uh, and we go and lose in the last minute um, to Aston Villa. And it's that game for me that killed the momentum. And it did start to go a little bit sour. There's rumours, uh, I, I want to stress their rumours, I don't know the you know truth behind it, but West Ham away when we lost 2-0, another game which we should have really been winning, uh, there was rumours that there was a bust-up uh, and uh, pretty much uh, fists were thrown by Nigel Pearson um, towards our left-back Adam Messina. Um, but, you know, they're all rumours and whatnot, but... You know, you don't know how true certain aspects of that can be because it was very, very negative towards the end of his reign. Uh, but I've got absolutely nothing but respect for Nigel Pearson because honestly, w- without him, we we wouldn't have even nobody would have been saying, "Can Watford stay up?" No, it, he turned the ship around and he was brilliant. So I've got nothing but respect for Nigel Pearson. Yeah, I think those kind of rumours, I think, kind of emanated at Derby as well when when he, you know. Lost his lost his job here after such um, at Derby after such a short amount of time um, with with rumors and 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 potential fisticuffs and things like that and and, and whatever. Um, one of the results that you mentioned just there that I wanted to just touch on very briefly was three um, 0 against Liverpool. I mean Watford at that point are I wouldn't say completely dead and buried, but they're on life support. Um, they're playing the champions of Europe. They're playing the. Um, I would say I would say the champions in waiting. Basically, I mean everybody knew Liverpool were going to win the league at that point. They've been unbeaten for God knows how many games. Um, they're playing a Watford team low on confidence, and then to run out three 0 winners. I mean, you just touched on it slightly. What's it like as a fan when when you beat 
the the arguably at the time the, the best club team in, in world football. Um, it was the strangest but most Watford thing I've possibly ever seen, and I'll explain what I mean by that in a little bit. But um, I have a season ticket at Watford, and <laughs> that game I was with my girlfriend of the time, and she couldn't get a ticket, so we actually went into Watford Town Centre to watch it, um, and I was gutted that I didn't go in the end. So uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty typical, but. I don't know, just something that was leading up to that day just pointed that something like that was going to happen. I, I, I briefly remember Aston Villa weren't playing that weekend because they had Man City the next day in the Carabao Cup final. But all the other results went against us. And I just thought, nah, that's us. You know, these results are going against us. We've got Liverpool. I, I'm not even going to think for one minute that we're going to do anything against Liverpool. But I don't know what it was, but from the first minute, like the longer we held on without conceding, I think the more confidence we got. And then it's just a free hit for a team like Watford playing Liverpool. You know, Saar was absolutely incredible that day. We just give him the sort of free roam. Uh, and he was he, he ran Liverpool's back line ragged. Uh, another thing as well, Troy Deeney was absolutely superb uh, and he picked up on it, you know, he mentioned it in the post-match interview. With Lovren playing at the back, he knows that he's going to get no joy out of Van Dijk. So if he sits on Lovren, who makes these sort of mistakes, he knows he's going to get some joy out of Lovren and he did just that. And Sarah had the legs on Van Dijk, he had the legs on, legs on everyone, but it was the most spirited performance that I saw from that Watford side all season. Um, but I just thought, it's when I said it's a typical Watford thing to do, we beat them and then we had Crystal Palace away the next game and I thought, we'll lose that. And we lost 1-0 and we got outplayed by them. So, you know, it's what we do. But that was one of the best Watford performances I've seen uh, in a long, long time. So, I mean, I can just imagine, I remember watching it being a bit shocked about, not being a bit shocked, being very shocked about the results <laughs> and the performance overall. Um, so I can't imagine what it was like. Obviously, you just explained it. But to have that kind of memory as well in a pretty dire season um, must be extra special. Um, moving on to the current things, I, I happened to watch one of the Watford games earlier on this season. Um, João Pedro, you know, young 17-year-old that they brought in from Brazil, played a little bit last year. Seems like he's going to be coming more into the fold this season. Um, they've got Cabasele at the back, former Derby County player Will Hughes in midfield, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about. Um, but obviously, it's it's a weird game because it's on deadline day as well. So, um who are the danger men? Who are the danger men for Watford that that Derby fans and, and the club need to look out for? Well, I think you mentioned one of them. There is João Pedro. Um, you know, uh, at the moment and towards the back end of last season, believe it or not, the player that received the most stick was probably Troy Deeney. Um, not from myself. I. I I sort of worship the ground he walks a little bit too much. I don't know whether that's the Birmingham link between me and Troy, but uh, I think he's absolutely brilliant and being a brilliant servant. But I will say one thing. It is amazing to have a striker that moves about the pitch and not just knock it up long ball to Troy to win and then let's feed off the scraps from that. Um, but 
Jao Pedro, one minute you'll see him in the, in the box, you know, trying trying to get a shot away. The next minute, he's in our own half, trying to win the ball back and then bringing it up the pitch. And it is brilliant to see that from a Watford striker because we, we haven't seen that. So I think Jao Pedro, I think what he needs to work on a little bit, which will come with experience and will come with game time, is sort of being there for those sort of pullbacks. Because the way that Ivic likes to play is we like to get it wide. Uh, another player I'm going to point out is Jeremy Ngakia on the right-hand side, who we signed from West Ham on a three. He's been nothing short of exceptional so far this season. Um, the bombing down that you know, right wing back role and cutting back uh, the the crosses, getting in the box. And João Pedro sort of needs to be a little bit smarter in that sense, where he needs to be in the position to sort of poach those goals. Because at the moment we've only scored two goals. Um, granted, we've only played four games, but you know the, the the goals is a problem at the moment. But I think that will come with experience for João Pedro. So I will say João Pedro, Jeremy and Gakia, uh, and definitely Ismail Assar they're the probably three most obvious ones as well to be honest but I um, I would have said Tom Deli Bashiru as well but unfortunately uh, the young lads uh, did his ACL in the last game against Reading so he's looking out to be uh, six months out which is absolutely gutting because he looked really really good in the games that he did feature in uh, but yeah they're, they're my three danger men uh, if you like Jason yeah, I mean, I mean, when I, when I think of Watford, as I say, out of the three teams that w- were to come down, you know, they were the one. And I think it's always the same of obviously dependent on who, who they lose. And obviously, um, Bournemouth did end up losing probably three or four of their better players and that kind of thing. And like you like you said earlier, Mike, I think obviously keeping hold of Deeney um, and Andre Gray and, and players like that can can only aid you. Um, as long as the finances allow, and obviously, ultimately, at football, certainly at our level, that's what it comes down to. Um, going just before I actually touch on the match itself on Friday, I mean, I know this might sound a bit of a, a bit of a silly question, but obviously, what Watford's ambitions for this season is it is it about straight back to the Premier League? Uh, I think the general consensus is yes, that is. But then again, it also depends who you ask. Because myself personally, um, I've I, we, me and my co-host Ben, um, we did we also tried to sort of predict the the championship table, um, and I've actually said that we'll get playoffs, but we won't go up. Um, I, I think a lot of fans when we went down and sort of got rid of the players that we needed to and brought in, um, you know, a couple of players that we did right at the start of the transfer window. I think a lot of our fans were like, you know, we the, that automatic thing when you just come down thinking we'll go straight back up. Personally, I know from experience that the championship doesn't work like that. There's a lot of pundits and a lot of people at the moment saying that this is the weakest championship to date. I'm not buying that for one second. Um, I, I, I really am not buying it. The championship is is never easy, or it, it, I think personally it gets harder every year. Um, I think the owners want to go straight back up, which might sound stupidly obvious, but I think some fans need to sort of maybe realise that this is probably we need to take a couple of years to rebuild. Uh, I look at Aston Villa as an example. When they come back down, um, they they didn't go up first knockings. Yes, they got to the playoffs, but. Um, you know, 
it took them a season to rebuild and I'm thinking maybe that's what we need to do uh, don't get me wrong I'd love to go back up first time but I just think maybe some of us need to be a little bit more realistic and sort of realise that we might have a bit of a rebuild job on our hands and listen if it means that we rebuild and you know we, we look better and we're going to go up and sort of stay there again I will sacrifice a year to do so a season in the championship to do so um, if we go straight back up and then we find ourselves in the position that we did last season then I don't want to be a yo-yo club like your West Brams um, and, and and sort of other teams like that but um, yeah the general consensus throughout the whole fan base is to go back up this season yeah echo those thoughts I think any any fan would from their own team if knowing that taking almost one step back puts them two steps forward I think they'd uh, I think they'd, they'd definitely snap their hands off so moving on directly to the game on Friday uh, Mike when when you hear that, that you go into Pride Park and Derby County what what kind of challenges do you think come come with uh, coming up against the Rams well, we've only won four times at your place, um, ever. So, straight away, personally, from a personal experience, I think, oh no, what's the score going to be this time? Uh, I briefly remember one season, uh, the season before we, uh, in fact, no, the season we got to the playoff final, um, 2012-13 season, we went and we were playing this brilliant football and we got smacked 5-1 at your place I believe it was uh, I think Vidra scored that day as well actually for us but um, I've not seen us win at Pride Park um, so yeah for me personally I it's not a happy hunting ground for us um, and it's hard to sort of answer that question in a sense because the fans aren't in if the fans are in Pride Park's one of these places where if you get it fully packed, like the time that I was there, it is an intimidating place to go. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, I think I've just got bad experiences because it's not been a happy hunting ground for Watford since we first played you. Uh, but it, you, you still sort of a Premier League stadium, if you like, personally, in my eyes. Um, and, you know, you've always got someone coming through the academy and that one star player who you've got someone to look out for. Like, um, from memory, you know, Tom Ince, he was always a player that you'd look out for. Uh, Will Hughes, funnily enough, he was always a player that you had. I know you've got this young lad at the moment. Um, is it Louis uh, Sibley? I know Leeds are looking in, into him at the moment. I don't know if you're going to keep hold of him, but he's another one. And the obvious other one is Wayne Rooney. But the, you've always got someone that's come through the ranks and someone to sort of be scared of. So personally, uh, to answer your question, Derby isn't a um, isn't fun memories. I don't have many fun memories of Derby. So I do, uh, I do sort of not look forward to that game in that respect. <laughs> Well, just before we move on to the, uh, we always do a score prediction, Mike. We have sure. to obviously meant we have to speak about Will Hughes. Um, yeah. Obviously, what was it, Corey? Probably four, or five years in Derby's first team, I think. Um, obviously, moved on to. It, it was always one of those things going around the Derby fan base that oh, this this lad will play for England. This lad will, uh, you know, go on to do great things. And I must admit, I, I don't know if it was because at the time when he was coming up through Derby, I was a bit younger and a bit more naive and I've got a bit more experience and a bit more knowledge about football these days. But I must admit, I kind of looked at him sometimes and I wasn't always too sure what everybody else was seeing in him. Actually, watching him back 
10 years later, uh, as it roughly, well, near enough is now, since he first started at Derby, yeah, I can see exactly what, um, certainly probably more so than when he got taken out of the side. <laughs> you, you could see what he brought what he brought along. Um, I know he's had a bit of an up and down kind of career at, at, um, at Watford. And I suppose in some respects, one of the players obviously you've, you've kept hold of, um, coming back down into the championship kind of explains... Uh, we're probably whereabouts he is in his in his career. Uh, no disrespect, men, but um, what what have what have, what have your thoughts been of of Will Will Hughes? Yeah, um, I I think like you've said, he's had a bit of an up and down time with Watford. Funnily enough, it was Nigel Pearson that played him in a different position and sort of made us think, "Wow, this this kid's good." Um, but he's he's absolutely. Brilliant, and do you know what? That season, last season, when we went down, we had so many players who just didn't look up for the fight. But Will Hughes was one of the standout players that season, uh, last season. Uh, and in my eyes, me and my co host Ben have sp- spoke about it on our podcast. Um, if we manage to keep hold of him, he'll be Watford captain without a shadow of a doubt. He's just got those leadership qualities, he will be the next Watford captain. Well. Jason, can I ask a question before we do a score prediction? Yeah, go for it. It's a stupid one, but I have—I feel like I'm—I have to do this. Uh, Mike, in—in—in, uh, you know, in, in, give me an answer and then a, a sentence. Why? Why not? Who wins in a fight, Harry the Hornet or Rami? <laughs> I don't know much about Rami, so I'm going to say Harry the Hornet. He's—he's—he's uh, he's, he's well, quite that's a. Wrong um... answer. <laughs> he's he's quite a uh, trouble stirrer, you know, with the stuff with Will Sahar, and you know he's he's quite a character. So uh, yeah, Harry the Hornet for me, I'm afraid. Yeah, I was seeing where Crystal Palace didn't wear a mask, and he got scared of the COVID, so he called him out on it. <laughs> Jason, who yeah, wins in your mind? Quite a character. Uh, but again, I mean, obviously from my point of view, I don't know who Harry the Hornet is, but Rami's, Rami's quite a friendly, he's not one of these interrogating, yeah. intimidating mascots. So I think, <laughs> I think Yui's got more of a chance to be perfectly honest with you. Who's a yeah, female to be honest, I think, I think I would have to go with, as much as I love Rami and I love a good Rami <laughs> selfie, I'll, uh, I'll have to go with Harry the Hornet on that one too. I, I would agree. I think he's just a wind up merchant and I think he just, Rami's, Rami's just too nice. Just he too is. nice. That is true. Well, time is about upon us already, Mike. Um, so yep. before, we, before we leave you, um, it's um, it's all about the world-famous score prediction that that we do. Uh, Corey, I'm not going to come to you first. Mike, I'm going to go to you. Score prediction for Friday. Uh, well, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit positive. So I'm going to say 2-1 to us. Uh, and weirdly enough, that's been the score on each of the four times that we've beaten you at your place. So I'm going to uh, keep up the tradition and go a 2-1 win. Right. Okay. Um, I think Derby managed to pick up their first win of the season away at Norwich uh, last time out. Uh, Derby were going through a bit of the doldrums. It sent a bit of a... you know. A, a turn, I don't know about a turning point so early in the season, but th- there was something about that result that makes you think um, probably the international break came at the wrong time. But um, we need to get a result. I was going to say in front of the home fans, not that they're there. But I think if Derby want to achieve anything this season, they can't afford to go two or three without a result, win one, not win again for another three weeks, you know, that kind of thing. So I actually, I, I take a draw, but... I'm go- I'm going to go the same score, but in Derby's favour. Corey? I'm going to go a 1-0 Derby win, I think. Um, I think 
you know, like you said, Jason, I think Darby kind of turned a corner on Friday. I do think, Mike, that several Watford players and maybe a couple of Derby players won't be available due to the transfer window on Friday as well. Um, so I do think Darby will grind out a 1-0 result. I don't think it'll be pretty, but I think it'll be effective. Well, that's our predictions. Mike, from the Voices of the Vic, thank you very much for joining us and we'll hopefully we'll catch up with you later on in the season. Yep, thank you guys for having me. Best of luck. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast. Please remember to get in touch on the socials. On Twitter, we are at Rams Review 1. Our Facebook is Rams Review Podcast. Or you could drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. Until next time, thank you very much and up the Rams. <laughs>